This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. You know, just trying to play in their end more. Obviously, we had the lead there, and it's kind of a crutch that we set back a little bit, which we should play, you know, be the opposite, just keep playing our game where we came out and the spurts of that game were in the own zone, making plays, playing behind them, and, um, you know, having some time in there. So, um, you know, obviously we'll go over some video here and try and fix some things of how we could do that. But, uh, I mean, overall, I mean, it's nice to get the two points. Yeah, Massey made some big saves early. I think it took, once we scored that, that goal, big goal in the power play by Paulie, I think we got some life and we had a pretty good response after that. Kind of went south a little bit in, in the third, but after the two games that we had coming out of the break, you know, we need the points. So there's things we need to work on. Um, D zone was a little bit, uh, you know, we were running around a little too much tonight. And, you know, we'll have to watch the clips and get back to that. But, you know, we needed the two points and we got them. This is, uh, it's hard to win in this league. And um, when you can walk into an NHL building as a road team and come out with two points, uh, you take those and move on to the next game. You know, you can pick apart any game you want. but. Bottom line is we needed these points. We got them, and let's move on. And I think that's how we all feel, especially what happened the previous two games leading up to Columbus. Anytime you can munch some points, you want to do it in regulation against a team who is struggling, which Columbus was, is. The Lightning did well to come away with two points in their 4-2 win on Saturday night. We'll talk about what they did well, what they didn't do well, and... Their showdown tomorrow against the Boston Bruins, which should be a a good test for the Lightning, and I'm sure the Bruins look at the Lightning in in some capacity as a team that nice measuring stick as well. It is Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. Hope you all had a great weekend. You watched the Super Bowl. We'll talk about that with Dave Mishkin, who is my partner in crime. Steve Ersnick also is here. He's our producer. Hit us up on X at Bolts Radio. We were talking about a little off the air. Everybody's breaking down the Super Bowl. Entertaining game. I think that's what the NFL wanted, partner. And Mm -hmm. I thought the halftime show was pretty good. Took me back to my youth with Usher. And... (laughs) I usually don't. I usually don't like those things, but it was, it was pretty good. And, and it was in the Greg Linelli wheelhouse. Yeah, it was my wheelhouse. It was yeah. in my wheelhouse. So it was good. Good game. Yeah, I think anybody who watched the game came out of that experience feeling pretty good, with the exception of probably 49er fans who had to suffer a really tough loss. I mean, when you lose the championship game. And it's razor thin like that. And you look at a play here, a play there could have made the difference. Those are tough to swallow, but good on them. I mean, they gave the Chiefs were favored, weren't they? I would expect I the they Chiefs were. were probably favored. Yeah, the yeah. the 49ers gave them a heck of a game. And they probably, more than probably, I mean, they easily could have won that game if not for a play here, a play there. So it was an entertaining game. And you're right. It's exactly what the NFL wanted. So good for them, and congratulations to the Chiefs. Back-to-back. We know here in Lightning Land how hard that is. And it's a different kind of hard in football because you're not going through four series. But those one-and-done games, man, like literally there was no margin for error. And they ran the gauntlet. They had to win road games in Buffalo and Baltimore. They beat some really good teams. So congrats to them. It's all you want is a competitive game. And, you know, we talk about that, especially with the highest, highest stakes. And that's all anybody wants and good for uh, the NFL. The Lightning, 
not as big of a game from that perspective, partner, but it was still an important one because it's a team that you are expected to beat in Columbus, but you wanted that mini two-game losing streak to snap and not dovetail into a four-game losing streak. You and I have no. talked about this a lot, and they did that. As, as you heard Stammer say coming in, uh, getting out to a lead and I think making Columbus play from behind is what you wanted. Inevitably, every team has a pushback in a game, regardless of the talent level. We saw that with Columbus in the third period. The Lightning did enough to hold on. I, I don't want to critique the game too, too much. We can, certainly. But uh, for me, those games are sometimes the hardest to win because uh, you're trying to get out for it. And let's face it, that's a, a human aspect of, of a game that, that does factor into it. And you just you, you don't know how you're going to respond uh, in that environment. And I thought the Lightning did that did what they needed to do we can move on get ready for boston but uh, I, I thought they did some good things in that columbus game too well i'll critique the game <laughs> well we will that. critique the game we will critique the game so i think we heard from sorelli and Stampkos, who both kind of picked apart what the lightning did not do as well as they could have done and probably will need to do tomorrow against boston defensively but I will lean back on John Cooper's quote, which I think the clip included that, but I know he said it. Basically, we weren't perfect defensively, but I'm not going to apologize for that because the most important takeaway is we needed these two points and we got them. And I agree wholeheartedly with that. But they do have some stuff to clean up still defensively. It's not like they had... And, and Coop even said before the Columbus game, talking about how they were defending he said i didn't mind how we defended in the ranger game and we were pretty consistent and in line with his assessment on the show and that was a 2-1 game before the rangers scored an empty netter the lightning did not give up a ton of chances against the rangers they did against the islanders so did they do a 180 defensively from the islander game to the columbus game no and they're probably going to need to be better defensively, as I said, tomorrow against the Bruins, who, by the way, are coming off one of their worst performances of the year. Their first shutout loss of the year, they dropped a Saturday afternoon game at home to Washington 3-0, a game in which, by the way, they only had eight shots on net through the first two periods. So I'm here at the practice rink the Bruins have. Bruins just finished their practice. The Lightning are going to be coming out at 1 o'clock. It was a pretty intense practice for the Bruins. So I think that that just reemphasizes the point I'm making, which is the Lightning are going to need to be more buttoned up defensively tomorrow than they were on Saturday. But it was a, a much better performance. At the same time, it was a much better performance for the Lightning, certainly, than what they showed in the game against the Islanders. And I thought they played better than they did against the Rangers, too. I mean, the one thing we can look at that jumps right off the page, they had 37 shots. In the two earlier games against the Rangers and the Islanders, the Lightning had a total of 38 shots on net. So not only did they shoot the puck more, they had more of their shot attempts go on net, which was something Nick Paul talked about post-game on Lightning Radio. He had a goal and an assist. His goal occurred in the first period with the lighting of the power play because Brandon Hagel's first shot was on net. Merzlikens made a save, but there was a rebound and Paul scores. Had Hagel's shot been blocked, had it missed the net, had it been one of these attempts that didn't go on net, there's no rebound there for Nick Paul to score a goal. So 
in that area, certainly the Lightning were, were much more efficient at getting their shot attempts to the net and just better. Forcing the other goalie to make saves. Lightning did that in the game against the Blue Jackets. It was a game I felt of momentum swings. So it's not as if the Lightning, when we say they weren't as buttoned up defensively as they probably need to be, that wasn't the whole game. But kind of like the Lightning came out of the gates pretty well against the Rangers with a lot of jump, even though they had a long layoff, Columbus had the long layoff. And we talked about that pregame, Greg. Would that benefit the Lightning? In the early minutes, though, the Blue Jackets were, were kind of on top of them. And Vasilevsky made a handful of pretty tough saves. The Jackets had some good looks, especially off the rush in the early minutes. But I thought from the middle of the first period onward, the Lightning took over the game. And to that end, they finished the first period with 30 shot attempts. Almost half of them were on net. They had 13 shots on net. 30 shot attempts. And they were kind of quiet in the early minutes. So they really poured it on in the second half of the first period. And they got the lead when Paul scores on the power play. They maintained momentum into the start of the second when the Blue Jackets had a coverage miscue. Provorov goes for a big hit on Hagel in the neutral zone, leaves the middle of the ice open. His partner, Severson, had pinched. So there's nobody between the red line and Merzlikens except Sorelli. Sorelli jumps out of the defensive zone ahead of the other Columbus players. Provorov didn't stay where he probably should have, which was the middle of the ice. He went for the hit. Hagel got the puck to Sorelli. Nice finish for Sorelli. One of the fans had mentioned Sorelli was in a drought in terms of goal scoring. That was true. He had a two-goal game in the Lightning's home win against Minnesota, but those were his only goals in a 21-game span. He'd been getting assists. Nice to see him finish, and, and he has a knack for finishing on breakaways. We've seen him finish on plays like that, and he did it right there. So then it's 2-0. The Lightning take a penalty almost five and a half minutes into the second, and while the Blue Jackets didn't score on it, I thought it got their game in gear, and they pressed the attack for much of the rest of the second period, and the Lightning had breakdowns. They didn't give up a goal, though, because Andre Vasilevsky made 14 second-period saves, none better than the one on Wierenski off a rebound play where Wierenski gets loose in the low slot and, and Vasi robs him with a glove save. So the Lightning get through the second period. They get through that surge. It's still 2-0. They carry a power play into the third, and Stamp goes score, so now it's 3-0. You like to say no drama the rest of the way. There was no drama for the first 10 minutes, but a sequence behind the net where Provorov cross-checks Acimon in the face was originally called a major. They looked at it on video. They rescinded the major to a minor. It turned out to not be a power play for the Lightning, so he stayed five on five, and Boone Jenner scores. And then the Blue Jackets gained momentum again. And this time they were able to convert a second time. Jenner on the power play, and they had looks to tie the game. Vasilevsky was very, very good down the stretch. Lightning get the empty netter from Hagel to win 4-2, to two, but it was that close to being 3-3. Three, three. So that's kind of where the Lightning, I think, were looking at this game and saying, we, we gave up some chances early, we gave up some chances in the second period, and we gave up some chances that led to goals in the second half of the third period. But what we did during the other parts of the game were good enough that we had a big lead and were able to get the two points. So, look, was it a perfect performance? No. Would we like to be able to come on the show today and say the Lightning had a 3-0 win <laughs> against Columbus? Yes. 
That didn't happen. The Jackets are going to miss the playoffs. You mentioned they're a team that is struggling. But where they have struggled more this year is really defensively. Offensively, they're not a top 10 team, but they're not in the bottom five. They have some guys who can make plays. Boone Jenner is one of them. I thought Johnny Gaudreau had a really dynamic game. I mean, he has not had a great time in Columbus in terms of probably the expectations, but he was dancing on Saturday. This Kirill Marchenko, he he can score. He scored three goals already in his career against the Lightning. And Wierenski was was really dynamic. Like, he was all over the ice. He was very, very good on Saturday. So they have weapons, and the Lightning weren't as tight defensively as probably they, they would have liked to have been. And as a result, Columbus got chances. But I guess my, my biggest takeaway from this game after the two points, another really, really solid game for Vasilevsky. Yeah, he was really and good. And that was, that was really nice to see. It was. Because and he didn't let Columbus get more than those two. No, and that's what we had seen leading up to the All-Star break. I think from him, and that was good to see him get back. You know, look, we made uh, a topic of this uh, last week, and it's it's been a little bit of a theme this week with a lot of our our listeners about the depth scoring. Well, Nick yeah. Paul and Anthony Sorelli scored goals. Sorelli is just an interesting guy because I think a lot of people think twenty five goals a year is in him, especially twenty, and I think it's it's something maybe that's not there yet consistently but i i think people are waiting on that to happen paul probably a little bit of the same because of the shot he's got 14 mm-hmm. i mean if you tell me that nick paul at the end of the year ends up you know hitting 20 22 goals a year i think he'd probably take that yes uh and i think maybe the same thing for sorelli so might be managing expectations a little bit but i think in that game last night or a couple of nights ago it was good to see the depth scoring come through. Kucherov, you know, uh, has an opportunity to continue to to munch points on a night that what Nathan McKinnon didn't have any. You know, we talked about yeah. that in the um, in the post game show, and that's a big deal. I think players are going after. Yeah, it good for Cooch. Yeah, for sure. So good for Cooch. I thought, considering what had happened leading up to that game, and and how they finished, it's exactly what you wanted to see. Get through it, and I think we all anticipate, Dave. A, a team who should be more focused tomorrow against the Bruins because that team demands your attention. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, you're going to get run out of the building. The Lightning have had some games in Boston. I think the game this year falls into this category where, like, at the end of the night, you come out of it and you're like, the Lightning played hard. Like, they, they really didn't have a clunker. But they lost again. And the, the final score in the game in early January was 7-3. to three. So, look, the Bruins have had the Lightning's number going back to the, the earliest days of the Lightning's franchise, with the notable exception of two playoff series the Lightning won against the Bruins in 2018 and then 2020 in the bubble. But other than those two really significant bright spots. The Bruins have been a handful for the Lightning. Going back, doesn't matter kind of what era you want to pick. They have been a tough opponent for the Lightning, especially in Boston. But I maintain, I mean, sometimes the Lightning have played worse against the Bruins in Tampa, actually, 
than they have in Boston. They've come into that game in Boston whenever it takes place ready to play. But by hook or by crook, it seems like the Bruins are the ones to score the big goal, get the big save, make the big play, and the Lightning come away empty-handed. They did not get off to a good start in this road trip. They have a chance, at the very least, to get four points out of four games, but they're going to need to beat the Bruins somehow, some way, tomorrow night. And I think mentally, even though you're not where you want it to be points-wise, if you win tomorrow on the road trip, in, in some ways, I think you come off that road trip feeling better about your game the way you ended it. If you're able I would to agree. win against the Bruins. Yes. Because I think, you know, look, we the Lightning aren't in last place in the Eastern Conference. I, I don't think they're in danger of missing the playoffs. Although, again, nobody has clinched anything. And this year has been a little bit more of a struggle than in previous years. I acknowledge all of that. But it's not like the Lightning are sitting at 48 points and, and really looking up at a bunch of teams in front of them. Yes, they've right. played more games than a lot of teams. I, I understand that, too. And Toronto is one good winning streak away from passing Tampa Bay in the standings, assuming the Lightning you know, have a, a couple of more hiccups along the way. But as it stands right now, they are in third place in the Atlantic, and they are hanging on to a wild card berth if you feel like all right, you want to take those those games they've played and throw it out the window a little bit and say, okay, uh, give the edge to some of these other teams who've only played 50-51. The Lightning are still, from a, a points perspective, above yeah. the cutoff line beyond the Islanders who are at 56 points through 52 games. I'm not saying that you should feel comfortable, but I, I think where the Lightning are, they want to show that they're playing well. I think against the Bruins, if you're able to win that game in a hostile environment against a really good team, you're going to feel better about your game and probably the road trip heading into the next home game more so than, you know, in, in a different circumstance. So I think an important game on a lot of levels tomorrow night. I want to see where the Lightning are mentally in addition to physically, but mentally, where are you? on the ice, making the smart plays. Because I think against the Bruins, structurally, we know they're pretty sound. Typically, they don't beat themselves. And then they're a really good team on top of it. So, yeah, you, you got to be able to perform tomorrow night for sure. But a lot of it, too, is, you know, being able to be in the right spot at the right time and, and making the right play. And can you do that for the majority of the game tomorrow night if you do? They're going to give themselves an opportunity to come away with points. And then if they win, I think confidence-wise, they should feel pretty good. And look, maybe they are going to get a Bruins team that is kind of in the dog days. Like, I, I am sure that the Bruins came out of that game on Saturday pretty ticked off. And as I mentioned, they had a spirited practice today. But they are a team that won 65 regular season games last year and did not get out of the first round. So from their perspective just get in right like does it matter if they win 65 they're not I mean they can't mathematically win 65 games again this year they've already not won 20 so if they win their final 30 games of the year they're going to only be at 62 and I don't think that that matters at all to the Bruins so if that's the case does it matter 
if you win the President's Trophy? Does it matter if you're first in the East? Does it matter if you're first in the Atlantic? You'd like to be, but you've done a lot of your heavy lifting to put yourself in a good position already this year, and the likelihood of any of these teams below the cut line in the East catching you is extremely remote. It may not be mathematically impossible, but it's basically impossible. So what's your motivation? That's kind of what the Lightning have had to deal with at points in previous regular seasons. And the Bruins coming off a regular season in which they didn't really have any hiccups at all and and didn't get anywhere close to where they wanted to get, I can understand why they would have kind of a an exhale game, which they did clearly against Washington, or maybe a stretch in which they're not quite dialed in as much as they're going to be or can be. But having a game in which you only have eight shots through two periods at home and get pretty thoroughly outplayed, it's not going to sit well with them. So let's see how they come out of the gates tomorrow. I think if you're the Lightning, you should be ready for the usual Boston Bruins team. But maybe they'll catch the Bruins kind of where the Bruins are right now, which is they don't have to worry about a playoff spot. They aren't in jeopardy of, even if they lose two or three in a row, really moving into a precarious standings position. That's part of the dynamic as we get into the final, whatever, 25, 30 games of the regular season for some teams. I'm not expecting to see that from the Bruins, but I'm not sure the Capitals were expecting to see that either. And credit the Capitals. They deed up well. That has been the strength of their team this year, how they have defended when they've done well. And they did it to the Bruins the other night. So we'll see. I think that you are right, though, Greg, when you say they are going to need to be on point, the Lightning, and should be ready for the other Bruins team, not the team that that was pretty flat on Saturday at home. I'm looking at the standings because I pulled up the Bruins record. to, and And so, like you mentioned, Toronto and Detroit. Look, Lightning want to finish as high as they can. But... I know you've been very consistent about this, Greg, over the years. Just get in. And I'm going to spell this out, and I'm going to ask you again yes. so you can think about it. But I'm going to ask you, does it matter if you are the Lightning whether you finish third in the Atlantic? I'm not going to say they're going to finish second. I mean, that would be great, but they're going to need to have a tremendous run. But is it is it a significant difference between finishing third in the Atlantic, getting the first wild card, or getting the second wild card? It's not even clear who their opponent might be in any of those spots, right? So could be the Bruins as the first top team that would play the second wild card. It might be the Rangers. The Rangers might fall out of first. Carolina might catch the Rangers. Florida might catch Boston. So it's unclear even who they might be playing if they get a wild card spot or even if they finish third in the Atlantic. So, look at it this way. There are eight chairs in a room. Lighting want to have a seat at one of those chairs. Right now, Toronto and Detroit are occupying a chair. So are the Lightning. So, yes, Toronto is a point back with three games in hand. Detroit is a point back at the Lightning with two games in hand. But... Really, all you're doing is shuffling the seats around the circle, right? And the Lightning might be moving from one seat to the next. 
what they really have to be aware of is who is who is not sitting who wants a seat that currently doesn't have a chair and i see these four teams off in the metro 9th 10th 11th and 12th in the conference islanders devils capitals penguins and I'm going to throw in the Flyers. Flyers have helped themselves by coming out of the playing break well, three in a row. They? Yeah. They're playing well. They, If they sell at the deadline, I don't know what's going to happen with them. Right now, they seem like they're basically right where the Lightning are. They played the same number of games. They have one point more than Tampa Bay. But as these Metro teams play each other, and they are going to be playing each other down the stretch, you know, yes, one team is getting two points, but one team isn't. So... At least the mindset right now for the Lightning is Lightning. They need to keep munching points, but the teams that should be on their radar the most are the teams that are not currently in a playoff position. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you disagree yeah. about like where they might finish. Like, if you were to say to me, Dave, right now the Lightning are getting a playoff spot. But so are the Maple Leafs and Red Wings. Would you have a problem with that? I would say absolutely not. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just make sure the Lightning are one of the eight. Correct. And if they get the second wild card, who knows who they're going to be playing. But and listen, they might get the this... same team if they finish third in the Atlantic right now. You're right. And maybe I'm wrong in my belief in the Lightning that it doesn't matter who they play once they get in because the Lightning are that damn good. I've told you this before as well. Each year is different. And at some point, the Lightning's play overall is going to slip in terms of what they have been able to do in previous years. They're not always going to have a team where they're going to be the favorite to win the Cup, Dave. I don't know if I'm there yet. Some would look on the outside looking in and say this Lightning team isn't built like the one three years ago. It doesn't have as much depth. There are more... Uh, chinks in the arbor, so to speak, and we could see them being eliminated in the first round. I think some people were there last year. Last year was a very, as we know, even series in, in, in many ways and a couple of bounces here and there. You talk about overtime. I'm not sure I'm willing to, to go that route. At some point, that narrative will be true. The Lightning now, to some people, may not be as deep or talented as, as the ones who have won cups. Time will tell. But my take on this Lightning team has always been when you have players like the Hedmans and the Vasilevskis, Kucherovs, the points, there's enough there where I feel like their play becomes elevated in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And so I want to see what they do in the playoffs when the stakes are at the highest because I think those are money-like players. Now, that may be different moving forward starting this year, and we'll find out. But until that narrative changes for me, I will always believe with the Tampa Bay Lightning, it's not about where they finish regular season. Just as long as they get in, they will always have an opportunity to win that cup. Not because the law of averages say, yes, of course, anybody who makes the playoffs is going to have a chance, but they have a team and players that have some talent and experience to make a deep run. And until that changes, I I'm not going to, move too far from that position. But I understand there's some other people out there who evaluate the lighting that probably were at that point last year when it came to this team being at the top of the mountain. I agree with you that the lightning 
can win a playoff series no matter where they finish, as long as, obviously, they get into the playoffs and finish in the top eight. The opposite is also true, which is to say that no matter where they finish, they are going to get a tough opponent in the first round. It's not like there's an easier opponent should they finish third in the Atlantic. It's just that they will have a little bit more breathing room down the stretch in the regular season if they are in third place because that means more teams need to leapfrog them, basically. So the teams I mentioned, the Islanders, Devils, Capitals, and Penguins, the Lightning have games left against all of those teams, two against the Islanders, one against the Devils, two against the Caps, one against the Penguins. Those are very important games, and they have two left against the Flyers. There are Flyers fans out there that are upset that I'm lumping the Flyers in with these other teams. I'm not I'm not implying that I think the Flyers are going to tumble out of third place. In fact, they've done very well to consolidate that position, winning three in a row, coming out of the All-Star break. But it's possible that one of those Metro teams will catch the Flyers, and then the Flyers will be in the wild card mix, and the Lightning might have to worry about getting ahead of them. So... That's why these points are so important. But the Lightning, with the work they did in January, going 8-1, and one, put themselves in a more advantageous position, which is the position where teams are trying to catch them, not the other way around. The other thing that I'll just mention as we speak today on February 12th, with a lot of runway left in the regular season still, for what it's worth, the Lightning are in very, very good shape as far as the first tiebreaker and the second tiebreaker. Regulation wins, and then regulation overtime wins. So the first tiebreaker is how many wins did you have before overtime? The second tiebreaker is how many wins did you have before the shootout? So if you're like the Islanders and you've gotten a lot of points with overtime losses, you are going to be on the short end of the tiebreaker. So against just about every one of the teams I mentioned, should the Lightning finish in a tie in points as we speak right now, they would win the tiebreaker. So that means that the teams that are chasing them are not just going to have to catch the Lightning. They're going to have to exceed the Lightning in, in their point total. That's not insignificant. But again, these things can change if teams end up making up ground on the Lightning with regulation wins and the Lightning end up getting some points by not getting regulation wins, that dynamic might change. But the fact, remember early in the year, they were losing all those games in overtime. Like the Lightning have gotten a lot of their points from regulation wins. And that matters in the setup that we have in the NHL to determine who wins the tiebreak. The third tiebreak is head-to-head. The first two tiebreaks are basically, how did you get your points? Did you get them in the three-on-three or the shootout? Or did you get them... In the 60 minutes of regulation. Yeah. Love it. People want to react to that. They can. That includes, by the way, Toronto and Detroit. Both of them. I mean, Toronto only has 17 regulation wins. The Lightning have 23. Lightning have six more regulation wins than the Maple Leafs. I understand the Leafs have three games in hand. But still, that's a big, big gap. How about the Islanders at 16? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Regulation wins. <laughs> well, brutal. they've helped themselves with but their they have. total by getting games to overtime, whether and they look, win them or lose them. Look at a team like Pittsburgh. Boy, are they just brutal. I mean, 
They can't score. Their power play stinks. And, you know, they're one of those teams. I know they're hovering around, and everybody talks about, well, they got these games in hand. You got to win those games in hand. Yeah, they've lost two <laughs> coming out of the break. <laughs> really? I mean, it's just, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Hit us up on X at Bolts Radio. Do you want to get to some questions? Wanted to get your opinion more. on the Morgan Riley play. Did you see that one before we got to questions? I didn't. Steve asked me. You didn't, didn't. see it? You've really been, you've been in your own little bubble. I'm in my own bubble. Well, Toronto lost at Ottawa. You should watch the clip. I think the fans who are listening know about this. So the Leafs were down at Ottawa, and that's a team well behind them in the standings. They're down by a goal. Time is winding down. And the Senators basically intercept a play in the Ottawa end, and there's a stretch pass. Ridley Gregg has nobody in front of him in the open net. So he skates. I mean, he is probably at the hash marks. He No, he is at the – well, he did. He is at the hash marks, and he winds up and blasts a slap shot into the open net. It's like the exclamation point. Empty net goal. So Morgan <laughs> Riley is the closest guy to him, and as Greg peels back to the sideboards, Riley comes at him and basically gives him a cross check to the face. So Morgan Riley has. Okay, so I watched it. I, okay. I'm watching yeah. it right now. Yeah, right. Okay. okay. All right. So there was a lot of hullabaloo about this. You know, Ottawa fans are like, oh, the poor Leaf fans got their feelings hurt. And the Leaf fans were like, good for Morgan Riley. That was a, you know, a you know what kind of move by Ridley Gregg and slapping it into the open net and, and all of that. So there are, a lot of, there are a lot of various opinions about that play, which you don't see very often. Usually when a player scores an empty net goal, kind of slides it into the open net. There's no extra mustard put on like Ridley Gregg did. But the long and short of it is that Morgan Riley has an in-person hearing, meaning that he could get more than five games. He may not get more than five games, but if it's a phone hearing, you know it's five or less. In-person means it could be more than five. So I am pretty confident in coming out with this statement, Morgan Riley is getting suspended. I don't know how many games, but you're taking a pretty important Toronto player out of the lineup because he decided to do that. It's so that funny. That was my takeaway. It's so like, funny reading these comments about <laughs> there's some people who are like, it's Bush League. Right. You know, well, what, 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 both play, what both Does players did. The empty did. netter or the retaliation? Do you have, I mean, what's, what's the uh, – so, I mean, I, I get it. You don't want to take a slap shot in an empty net, I guess. There's no rule against it, though. It's like the unwritten rules. Like well, there's a lot of un- unwritten right? rules. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of unwritten rules. I get. So it. look, I mean, here, here is was my that like high inside? It. If you watch a home run, yeah, is probably. that basically what it is? Or in the back? <laughs> you can't, you can't take a stick to somebody's face, though. So <laughs> I mean, so here is here is my uh, take on it. Because Steve asked me, go ahead. If Morgan Riley wanted to send a message to Ridley Gregg, there are ways to do it other than what he did. Mm-hmm. He could challenge him to a fight. Yeah. He could Correct. yap at him if, if he didn't want to fight. Wait till next and game if they play next exactly game. Exactly right. right? right? Yeah. You have this guy's number. Yeah. You mark it down. Phyllis said that. So is Chief. About yeah, for sure. Like, that is more in relation to your teammate got hit, and you come at the player who hit your teammate and fight him, and you get an instigation penalty. And you're sitting for 17 minutes. And how many times have we heard Phil say this? Take the guy's number. 
Chief says the same thing. Take the guy's number. Don't do it then. Do it later. So, look, it very well may be that Ridley Gregg is going to have to answer for this the next time the teams play. And I actually don't even know if they have more games yeah. left against one another. That can be easily I, I think that's determined. Fair. But if you're that upset, you're Morgan Riley, you're that upset. What he did, on the one hand, it hurt his team because he's going to miss some time. I guess on the other side of the coin, you could say what he did might be a rallying cry for his team and bring them closer together. And as I said to Steve before the show, if after this play, the Maple Leafs win eight in a row, then we will look back at this play and say, yeah, that was a signature play. And that really helped them. But I don't I think that, that you're rolling the dice on that, yeah, right? Like, I don't, I don't believe that. The point is that Morgan Riley, one of their most valuable players, is not going to be available for the Toronto Maple Leafs, at least in the short term. It may be longer than five games. We'll see what the NHL decides to do about this. I mean, it wasn't quite like the Dale Hunter play. Remember that in the playoffs? I mean, this was in the 80s, I think, late 80s. But Turgeon scored for the Islanders. He's celebrating until Hunter basically lambastes him. He's not expecting to get hit. And I think Turgeon got injured and missed the rest of the playoffs. It might have been early 90s. This was not quite that because Greg saw Riley coming at him. But I don't know. I mean, isn't it also an unwritten rule? You're not supposed to hit a guy after he scores a goal. Unless you're Dale Hunter. Yeah, well, that's my point. Yeah. I mean, everybody in the NHL who plays knows about that Dale Hunter play. I think and you know that you're inviting disciplinary action if you do it. Dave, you can't use your stick as a weapon like yeah. that in somebody's face. I mean, that's just, I, I think they're, so here's how he would say with Morgan and, and what he did. The emotion in terms of wanting to send a message, wanting to do something was appropriate. The actions were awful. Right. You don't take a stick to somebody's head, at least in that setting. I, I like your idea. I, I probably skate next to the guy. You either challenge him there or you yap at him and say, you better watch out next game. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's probably how I would look at it because bigger picture here, if he's suspended for any length of time, is it worth it? No. Of course not. Yeah, does it stink that you lost to to Ottawa? For sure. I mean, was it Bush League? What he did? Yeah, okay, fine. I, I acknowledge that. That happens in sports all the time. But I think it's how you respond that oftentimes has the, the deeper message. And I think more guys would probably respect mm-hmm. and rally, maybe this is even the better term, behind dropping the gloves right off the bat in the next game with him. If that's how you want to go about revenge. Well, look, I'm looking, I'm looking at the game by game. That was their last meeting of the year. I'm not sure that was running through Morgan Riley's Yeah, I don't head know if that was right Can now. we get Morgan on the line? Morgan? But, you know, I'm looking at their, their four-game series. So the first game at Toronto, a win for Ottawa. The second game, home, lost to Toronto. So Toronto won the second game. But then Ottawa won again at Toronto. So they won. The Senators beat the Maple Leafs in three of the four games played between the teams. So that probably was a little salt in the wounds, too. 
But next year, Ridley Gregg will probably have to watch his back. They're not going to forget. No, no. I, I mean, wholeheartedly, he's going to have to address this next year. There's, there's just no question. I, and maybe that was going through Riley's mm-hmm. head. So he wanted to. In that case, though, what I would do is I would probably just jump the guy <laughs> and start yeah. rolling on him. You're, not probably, gonna get su- you're probably not going to get suspended for that. You'll get an instigation penalty at the end of the probably game. You probably would. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I'm not, I don't know how I would respond because I've never been put in that situation. So I acknowledge that. But, I mean, if you're telling me what's the best way to go about it without really hurting my team – I would probably just make sure the guy sees me, drop the gloves, and attack him rather than take the stick to the face and now have a hearing with the league potentially to be suspended for a couple of games. I, I just, you know, mm-hmm. for me, I think that's kind of how I would play with it. Do you disagree or you kind of in, in my boat? Yeah, there? no, I agree with that. I mean, okay. that's what I said. You challenge him to a fight or I like you your yap idea. at him and, yeah, yeah, at him and you take his number. Yeah, for sure. How much time was left when that happened to It was like I mean, seven it, seconds yeah, or say, something. I mean, the I was game was say, over. You know, and I have no idea if he was out there for the face-off there at the end of the game. Maybe that's when you address it, too. I don't, I don't know. You know, sometimes players take it in their own hands, and, and you just address yeah. it right there. But um, now that I did see it, and that's the the beauty of social media. I've told you it's a cesspool in a lot of ways. <laughs> yes. That that one was very good. Well, the clip the itself. The clip itself, yes. The clip itself is the clip. Yeah. It's the, the takes on the clip afterward that sometimes <laughs> forces us into the marsh, right? Into the into the weeds. Ground gets a little soft. I'm going to send you... Because the best part of all of these, um, of what he did, are the the memes now on social media. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's one of, of people in court and a guy jumping across the uh, the stand attacking the judge. And it's I like, saw one. That's so did hilarious. You see, did you see the um, clip of Travis Kelsey getting an Andy Reid's face <laughs> last night? I did see Somebody that. Somebody put Kelsey in a Maple that. Leafs jersey. I did. <laughs> Talking about how you're supposed to score an empty net well, goal. It's kind of like, wait, was it Chase Claypool? The one we had fun with last year, the Steelers yeah. uh, wide receiver? I just sent it to the you guys. The air traffic controller. Yes, yes. Maybe we'll share this one on, on our on our social media. But that one I just sent you guys was uh, was pretty good. I've um, seen that one, yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, this comes from uh, Brandon on on X. He says, I have always wondered if a player gets a game misconduct early in the game, where do slash can they go? Stay in the locker room? The yeah. press box? No, they don't go to the press box. They stay in the locker room. Just like the scratch players. I mean, they probably work out too, right? You know, yeah. Probably get on the bike. So, so there, I sometimes see scratch players in the press box. I do too. But more yeah. often than not, like it used to be, and this is what I say used to be, this is what I remember in the minors. Um, and, and honestly, I, I'm not entirely certain if, if all NHL players have to do, is do this because usually if you're not playing, you're getting a pretty rigorous workout at the skate late. But a lot of times the players that, that did not play or are not playing actually do a workout at the beginning of the game. But... I think more often than not, they they watch the game from the locker room. Sometimes we see them upstairs, though. For sure. Um, 
You see but I think if a player is thrown out of a game, he's not like getting yeah, dressed not. and heading up to the no. press box and they'll get their workout in a bucket of popcorn. No. Yeah. How often do players work out after a game too? I guess some of I think on. they I think they do. I mean, it is yeah. nuts. It's like the cool down. I'm like cool down. Yeah. What you're doing looks Ready like for the bed. full workout for me. It's how they're. You know, I. I don't want to put words in his mouth. I think Phil probably thinks these guys work out too much. Because well, of all no the muscle. Well, the muscle, that. but I mean, like the muscle injuries. Like, you think yeah. guys are really in shape. He'll say, you know, look, it was a different game. I get it. But, you know, to be that muscular sometimes in a, in a physical sport like that, you wonder if there's not enough cushion, so to speak, right. to help with the bumps and bruises. Is it, is it worth it? It's just a, a take that he had that I always felt was was interesting. Basil says, as we approach the trade deadline, seems like experienced defensemen are like left-handed relief pitchers in baseball. Every team in contention needs another one. Even average guys can extend their careers. Luke Shen, Shattenkirk, Ian Cole, DeHaan, Bogo. You never have enough good Well, defensemen. he's not wrong. Ian Cole's not going anywhere. I mean, Vancouver Canucks are having a great season. Shattenkirk, I, I saw he was scratched last game. He might have been scratched a couple of games for the Bruins in a row here. I don't know if, if he's battling a little bit of an injury. He's been in more than he's not been in, but the first game between the teams at Amelie, Shattenkirk didn't play. I mean, I yeah, feel like two games in a row that, that Shattenkirk has not played now for the Bruins. Is it fair to say Shattenkirk, I think, got, got back on track a little bit when he was with the Lightning, and since he left, it's been more of a roller coaster for him? Well, I don't know. Look, he played on a bad team in Anaheim, and and right, like he wasn't able to. Whatever he did didn't turn their fortunes around. So he was caught up in that, and maybe he contributed to to why they struggled a bit. I think he's been okay in Boston, though. He's just not a top minute guy. Look at his numbers. I mean, he's got five goals in forty two games. He's a minus player on a team that's done very well, which is a little rare most of their players are plus but i mean he's not going anywhere at the deadline he's part of this bruins team that hopes to have a very deep playoff run who are they the guys that basil mentioned he said dehan and bogosian right and bogosian and then yeah. he also had uh shen ian cole mm-hmm I mean, all those yeah, look, I mean, if good. he's just saying that these are guys who have been able to to play for a while because teams covet <laughs> veteran defensemen, he's not wrong about that. I mean, in the case of DeHaan, you know, he signed with the Lightning during the offseason. Right. Same with Shattenkirk with the Bruins. You know, some of those players that you just mentioned, Basil, had... Big roles for the Lightning. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's amazing with Luke Shen is that he's been able to be a coveted defenseman. Yes. Since leaving Tampa Bay. I mean, he really turned his career around. But, you know, Ian Cole was a really good defenseman for the Lightning. Bogo certainly had his moments. And DeHaan has been, you know, very serviceable. Top six, top seven defenseman. Yep. So, you know, value in there. I agree with that. Lightning are taking the ice, by the way. So we're going to start to hear some pucks. Steve just texted us. Uh, Jonas Johansson, how about uh, posted a picture on X? 
Um, he and his wife welcomed their first child. Oh, one congratulations. Week ago, one week ago today. Well, they kept that pretty quiet. I was about they to did. say, like, I I just saw Johansson on the bus on the way over here. So he should be smiling, right? Well, yeah, well, in the, the Linelli household, <laughs> dad will be involved in the overnights right from the get-go, right? <laughs> Johansson got to leave on a road trip he for did. a week. He did. He did. That's just how it goes, right, partner? Yeah. yeah. You've been there. We've all been there. Mm-hmm. And uh, congrats to, uh, to him. Not a lot of sleep, but very excited. Yes. For sure. Uh, Thomas from Lutz asked us what our take one on the Riley hit was. Uh, we just kind of. Yes. Gave you those, Thomas. Uh, I think better ways to to handle that. Uh, let's go to <laughs> Steve Anthony. found the uh, the Kelsey Reed <laughs> meme. <laughs> uh, Anthony See, says you need to put that on lightning. Radio. Yeah, well, let's that, do something with it. That would not be that we're adding fuel to the fire. Just like this is what Greg and Dave were talking about in the show today. That's a great picture. Just like because Andy Reid and that Ottawa like Senators. Andy Reid has an Ottawa Senators baseball <laughs> hat on it as well. That is great. And, you know, when he pushed Reid, I mean, you could see, like, Reid like, jolted <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Like, what's what's going on? He here? was not expecting doing? it. He was not expecting it. No. Don't see that guy lose his temper too much, meaning Andy Reid. He's pretty right. collected, at least publicly. Uh, Anthony says, top six is clicking. Something needs to be done with third line, giving up too many chances. You can't go far if your third line is giving up so much puck possession. Another brilliant referee decision to even up Mikey and Provorov grabbing the visor. Hello. Games need to be close. All right. So I have a couple of responses to that. First of all, the on-ice referees called a major. They called the major. So it's not like they saw what happened and thought it was nothing. They thought it was something. When they went back and looked at it on video, and again, the NHL is not the NFL. I think the NFL actually does a splendid job of detailing why calls are made very explicitly. We did not get an explanation as to why the major was rescinded. But Isimont kind of started it a little bit. Like he pushed Provorov in the back. And that's why Provorov reacted. So AC Mott was going to get penalties. The question was, would Provorov get a major or a minor in addition to the other two minutes that he got and AC Mott was getting four? And they have a right to look at those plays on video, and whether it was the two on-ice referees or Toronto or some combination thereof, they decided to rescind the major. I never got an explanation why, but before you start, basically throwing the referees under the bus when they saw it live they called a major so they had their reasons for rescinding it and it was after they actually looked at the video so that's what i have to say about that particular play the third and fourth lines i thought did well when the lightning were surging against columbus and they had some issues when columbus surged but so did the top six I mean, if I'm not mistaken, the one five-on-five goal Columbus scored, it was Point Kucherov and Stamkos out on the ice. That's correct. Now, unless whoever it was who made that comment is talking more generally, but if we're talking about the Columbus game, I mean, yeah, did they did they score? Did they get goals from the bottom six? No. Let me see. Uh, 
I'm just kind of checking the the game stats here as far as ice time. So Glendening had two shots. Acimont had one. Chafee had two. Mott had two. So really had four. I mean, if we're not kind of including him. So look, you know, they, they got pucks to the net. And I maintain when the Lightning were surging and the Lightning had a great stretch from the middle of the first period to the beginning of the second, and they had a very solid opening 10 minutes plus of the third period, I think the third and fourth lines were, were pulling on the rope. I thought they were making Columbus uncomfortable. It's not like the Lightning threw out sure. the Stampkos line, then they threw out the Sorelli line, and then all of a sudden things went quiet. That's why I called the game a game of momentum swings. So I respectfully disagree if you're talking just about the Columbus game. And the Lightning did get goal production. You referenced this, Greg, in that game from guys other than Kucherov, Point, and Stamkos. Now, Stamkos had a goal. Kucherov had two assists. But they got a power play goal from Nick Paul. They got a breakaway goal from Sorelli. We, we talked about Sorelli. I think there's another level for him to reach when it comes to offensive production. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people want to see him hit 20 a year. They had a very good game. I mean, yeah. they are in the top six. But Hagel, Paul, and Sorelli as a line had a yeah. very good game against Columbus. Jay says, with the, was at the game on Saturday. Lots of Lightning fans in attendance per usual in Columbus. Hagel, Sorelli, Paul were awesome. Vassy was great. Big two points. Awesome seeing Kucherov and Stamkos' greatness in person. Can't take it for granted. You know, that's the other thing, too, we have to keep in mind. It's hard sometimes in the moment, Dave, when you and I are kind of doing this for a living. I think we do a pretty good job of taking a step back, though, and, and kind of reevaluating and saying what we're seeing from Kucherov is pretty rare. Mm -hmm. What we've seen from Stamkos over the course of his career from a goal-scoring perspective has has been pretty tremendous. And the thing about Stamkos, the expectations were high when the guy was drafted. But, Dave, not everybody reaches those expectations. No. And to, to be able to do that, I, I, I think it you really do hit a home run when you get all of it. And then you factor in the, the rings and then the community mm -hmm. and, and what he's meant to that locker room. Uh, same thing with, you know, the Victor Hedmans and, and some of the other guys. But when you're watching Kucherov, please embrace it. Because yep. at some point, this this won't always be this way. I, I've told you over the years, you know, watching Lemieux and Yager and Crosby and Malkin to a lesser extent, those are generational-type talents. At some point, the Penguins won't have those players. <laughs> and you, they're going to struggle just like some of these other teams who have never had players like that. You never take it for granted. The Lightning are in that same boat. You never take it for granted. That's why they're in the golden the golden age of hockey here mm -hmm. in Tampa Bay. You, you think about Stamkos' career, and I'll, I'll, I'll put this in perspective, and he's got a lot of hockey left in him, but he's going into the Hall of Fame. I Heck mean, he's yeah. got 500 goals. Jeez. He's got over 1,000 points. He's marching up the all-time league record books with each successive goal or, or power play goal that he scores. But think about this, Greg, and you know it as well as I do. He basically lost two full seasons, the equivalent of two seasons, let's say, with his two injuries that happened. He had one issue right at the start of the playoffs when he had the blood clot. Yeah. That was 2016. But the 13-14 season, he played 17 games before he broke his leg and then came back for the stretch run. But 
that was a season that was certainly affected by his injury, Correct. particularly after the first 17 games. And then the meniscus tear in 16-17, he only played the 17 games and missed the rest of the year. So it's not just what those injuries did to him in terms of the rehab and being able to come back and get back to the level that he was at before the injury or modify his game in some way. Just the sheer number of games that he missed, and he still got 500-plus, 1,000-plus in, in terms of goals and points. There are, there are people, to your point, that would say with Stamkos, had he not been injured that he is somebody that at least would have been competitive with Ovechkin when it came to goals. Ovechkin has been, I mean, mind-bogglingly, if that's the right word, mind-bogglingly durable. Yes. It's been incredible. And I'm not saying that it's luck. I mean, it's actually amazing because he plays such a physical game. But he has stayed healthy, which yeah. is a big part of why he is... Should we use the word approaching? Like he's approaching the Gretzky record. He is, which is just incredible. Yeah. Mike says, with eight and a half million salary from 98's long-term IR, assuming we don't take a major swing and spend it all, what do you think about the Lightning using some of that money to retain salary for other team trades to acquire draft capital? Can we even use long-term IR funds to retain salary? Uh, yes. I'm going to say you can do whatever that you want, would, right? That would kind of imply the Lightning would be selling, and I'm not sure that that is the formula we're going to see. Yeah. I think they're going to take a swing and get get players that can help now. Right? Yeah. It is what it is. I mean, I just think that's... They're in a spot to win now. Draft capital be damned. I don't think they look at it that way. But that might well, be it's not only discussion. draft capital, it's just capital. Julian looks at it as capital. What what kind of capital do I have? I have draft capital. I have capital in terms of our, our prospects. I have actual capital, cap space, and that is not a concern, this trade deadline, because they have that $8.5 And so he's like, I'm going to use all of my capital. That's the, way, that's the way he's looked at it in past trade deadlines. It's usually been translated in terms of picks, but yep, not always. We're going to have a lot to talk about tomorrow as the Lightning gets set to take on the Bruins. We'll try and have a guest for you as well, but that'll be a fun game tomorrow night. You can listen to all the coverage here. Partner, great job on a Monday. Good yeah, stuff. a lot to talk about. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. Thanks, everybody, for responding. Hit us up on X at Bolts Radio. Thanks to Steve Ersnick for producing. Thanks to you for listening. We always appreciate it. I'm Greg Linnelli. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Radio.